This month on Devil Times 5, we'll be summoning Satan and discovering that mostly he's just a massive old pervert. Hello, you are listening to episode 50 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. And this month, our theme is Beelzebub Worshipping Cults. So I suspect we'll be saying, hey, Satan, how's it hanging? What's the pentangle of your dangle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I haven't said it was the angle of your dangle in a long time. <laughs> I think if there was a local radio DJ in one of Dante's circles of hell, that would be such a great thing to hear. <laughs> anyway, you can expect bizarre incantations, rituals that go back years, and lots of inappropriate stuff involving genitals. And that's just the format of the podcast. Yay! <laughs> lads, 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 it's lads, a good lads. script this month. <laughs> I'm Cliff Burns and I'm joined by the devil's own devils, Luke Poulton, Emily McQuaid and Bryony No. Hello! And this month we have a very special fifth devil. Where to start? Science broadcaster, satirist, impressionist, stand-up comedian, writer, winner of all sorts of awards, honorary doctor, honorary university fellow, professional sceptic, thoroughly lovely bloke, plus actor. Please welcome the <laughs> extraordinary Robin Ince. Hello. I'm only an actor if no one's ever seen my work. Well, <laughs> that much. <laughs> I played a man in a cryogenic uh, freezer, which is one of my favourite things oh, uh, in, a, in a short-lived sitcom called Lab Rats with Chris Addison oh, yeah. and and many others. And and the uh, the thing actually caught fire while we were filming it, but I didn't say anything because I was I was in that John Mills thing going, I don't want to ruin the shot. And then once my feet started burning, I went, I'm awfully sorry, but I think it's about to catch fire, which I think is the most English thing that's ever happened to me. As ever, we'll start things off with our highs and lows of horror watching from the last few weeks luke do you want to start um my high is going to be i'm probably going to pronounce it wrong um impetigor impetigor is that how you say it impetigor yeah um was an indonesian film um about a woman who is the what the child of a family there's a curse on a whole town and she has to be killed um and they're going to go to this town to sort of investigate it and then there's all a lot of weird things going on with pregnancies. Every child that is born um, isn't born properly and they drown the babies. It's all quite a disturbing film, but it's Indonesian films like somehow are always really good. Like the new Indonesian uh, horror films I've watched, but they always manage to have a machete in them. There's always, it's not an Indonesian film now if there's not someone running after people with a machete. But yeah, that's, um, I think that was a shudder. Um, exclusive so that was a good one uh, and then my low is um the wrong turn uh, reboot um okay yeah the seventh film in this franchise they should have just stopped it at six um this one <laughs> is how many wrong turns can you take just get <laughs> wrong turn eight get a fucking sat now <laughs> the original film is a guy actually taking a wrong turn down a road and, you know, crashing his car into someone and then going to the woods. This is just some people walking into the woods and then being like, we've gone the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of having um, inbred cannibals in this, it's just a, a cult are after them. There's just people in, that live underground in the woods. Uh, it's just really, really bland. And for, I thought with the reboot, it might have been a bit better, but it just comes up, off as one of those people stuck in a wood, um, very generic mm. film. And to try and tie it into the um, original films, uh, one character says the line, oh, don't forget, it's pizza and movie night tonight. The boys have picked a film with inbred cannibals. Meta. Oh, it's, it's meta, mm. yeah. Yeah, they tried. 
it's really bad. I never bothered with any of them after the first one. Are any of the sequels worth a look? The second one's alright. The rest of them are really crap. I saw the sixth one at Fright Fest and the cast were in the same screen as me and I really wanted to leave, but they were sat next to me and I felt it wouldn't be <laughs> What you should have done is keep leaving and then walk back in and go, oh God, you can't get out that way. This is ridiculous. Oh, oh, hang on, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I must be left for the For the entire duration of the film. Yeah, that's it. A whole, and then right at the end, just a little smile. A little, somewhere between demons and wrong turn in a cinema. <laughs> um, Bryony. God, I mean, I've watched a lot of documentaries this month, not so much horror. I did an Emily. I went down the back of uh, the sofa that's Amazon Prime. Um, I really, really <laughs> need to, to get my Shudder uh, subscription back because it looks like there's some good stuff on there at the moment. But I watched a film called um, Night of a Thousand Cats. Oh, wow, yeah. Wow, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, no, not wow. I mean, it's not very good. <laughs> We've done that one on here. We did. We did it on a Killer Cats um, episode. Oh, yeah. actually, that, that would have been right up my street. But that was uh, that was before my time. Um, firstly, there's like 80 cats. Yeah. Um, secondly, I really feel like the lead got cast because um, he turned up to the audition and went, I've got a helicopter. Yeah, here you go, Stiglitz. It's only 62 minutes long. but about... No, it's not. That's the cut version. Oh, it, really? It's a lot longer than that. Oh, well, you need to see the version with extra cats. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, well, it's true. <laughs> I, I, I read a synopsis. It's like, a guy kills people, feeds them to his army of cats. I'm like, brilliant. That's right up my street. <laughs> Fucking love murdering cats. And, um, oh, I'm such a cliche. But, yeah, like, <laughs> not enough cats. Um, some of it was interesting, but it was just a bit, like, it was just him flying around for a lot of it. Um, it is. I mean, it yeah. is even in the long version. Perhaps yeah. there's more, more flying around in the long version. But there's there's also a lot of shagging and mm. dodgy uh, treatment of real cats in the long version yeah, as the, well. Well, no, I did enjoy... Well, I didn't enjoy, but like the, the only mistreatment I saw of a cat where he's like, I'm angry at the cat, and then he grabs it by the scruff. And he's like, oh, he's going to put it down. Because, like, you know, cats, oh, they'd be misbehaving. Shucks it over And he's just fucking... He wallops it. Yeah. <laughs> fucks it right over the wall and then there's like a slow motion cat just going <laughs> yep. like somersaulting so that's um, your high is it i don't know i don't know <laughs> i've only had time to watch that and then a couple of documentaries and one was about um some chinese uh builders building a road in like nigeria which wasn't scary it was just like ha look at the culture gosh uh, and the other was framing britney which um mm. just made me feel licky so, I mean, if I'm going to weigh up what I've watched this month, I mean, Framing Britney would probably be my high because it made me feel very visceral and awful. Uh, and then cats, I'm just, I don't know what to do with them. I just don't know what to do with these cats. <laughs> I, I feel like I should seek out the longer version. It's not a good film. But... No, the 62 minutes really dragged and I was just very disappointed. <laughs> 62 minutes dragging is, I mean, that's impressive in itself. I know, I know, because I was like, oh, it's only 62 minutes, but it it felt like a week, and I love cats, and I think I was mostly just disappointed about, I was like, that's not a fat, that's more like Night of, like, several cats. Um, (laughs) I do quite like, what's his name, Rene Cardona Jr., the director of that. Um, It's not his best film, but um, in fact, it's one of the worst I've seen, but he's done some good stuff. Beaks, quite like Tintorera, the shark movie, which isn't really about sharks. It's Mm. about Susan George having a threesome. Mm. (laughs) He gets distracted. No, with with, I think, Hugo Stiglitz. Um, And (laughs) some of the blood. Oh, God, that's immediately made me think of... 
the Sharknado films, the idea there's going to be something called Sharkgasm, mm. in which various different orgies are suddenly invaded by a selection of great white sharks. <laughs> Why stop at a great white shark? Surely there's many, many different types of sharks. You could have as many Sharkgasm movies as, you, as there Ooh. are shark varieties. I mean, there's probably a vibrator called the Hammerhead. Hammered by, yeah, I was, oh, Hammered by the Hammerheads. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah. Boned by the Basking Shark. Nice. Um, I'm out. Of, I'm out of sharks. I'm a bit tired, but that's at least three three movies worth of. Robin. <laughs> oh hello. Well, I'm going to mention two good ones. I'll, I'll get the bad one out of the way really early on, which is just hostile, which is one of those ones which is kind of a not bad idea. A desert dystopian future uh, where people have mutated into those kind of rather some somewhere between a kind of HP Lovecraft and Del Toro Pan's Labyrinth monster. And I'll just tell you, it's one of those things where you go, but this is an all right premise. And then it's just very boring. So that's what you need to know. I've seen it twice because it was on Channel 5 or something the other night. And it was on a... But that's on the plus side because I'm not going to waste time with crap. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched The Exorcist 3 Director's Cut, uh, okay. which I don't know if anyone's seen that yet. Not, no, not the Director's Cut. I've seen the original a few times. Arrow uh, brought it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Kim Newman and Mark Kermode do the commentary. I know that Mark Kermode worked with William Peter Blatty um, yep. on this. Make, and the director's cut is, I mean, literally they had times so they all they could find was stuff on VHS. So it's, you know, some of it's stuck together. All the bits which are still of, of original quality look fantastic. The fact that it changes the plot and removes a lot of the things that people found annoying, it therefore doesn't matter that that looks a bit grubby VHS. I think that William Peter Blatty is one of the greatest writer-directors I think Ninth Configuration and Exorcist 3 are both masterpieces. And um, this is really, if you know the original Exorcist 3, what's great is basically what it turns out is Brad DeReef's character in the original version is the Jason Miller character from the start. It's actually set up right from the start that he's, what's he called, Father? I've, I've, forgot, I've forgotten now. Father Karras, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's who he is. So all of that bit that got added with Jason Miller and all of the bit that Nicole Williamson, none of that's in there. It's just this straight, dark film about someone who is able to possess the minds. It's so beautiful and scary and disconcerting. But on top of that, even though it has, as everyone always talks about the fact, it has one of the best shock um, death scenes ever. And it is, I've, I've played that to some people at a festival once, not mm-hmm. horror festival, book festival, saying I was showing them just a fun blooper. And right. I showed them the five-minute scene and the way they jumped at the at that endpoint. But the other bit that often gets forgotten is how funny the script is, because that's what I think is genius about William Peter Blatty is he's really funny. Ninth Configuration has that whole thing about I'm trying to do an all dog version of Hamlet, and they send me a dog <laughs> with a lisp, you know. Um, and then this has this beautiful conversation between Ed Flanders, uh, who's the priest in it. And George C. Scott, where George C. Scott is explaining in a way that's just not quite real, that's just a bit absurdist, about how he can't have a bath because his wife has placed a carp in it that she wants to be fresh for when they eat it. <laughs> and it's this long conversation about carp moving around in a bath and why he stinks. And it's, yeah, it's just, I, I think Exorcist 3, I like both versions, but when you see William Peter Blatty, the version he wanted to make of Legion, which also, if no one's read the book, have, have any of you read the book? Nah. I don't read. Oh, the <laughs> book is his theory of what the, the, at the end, the George C. Scott character gives a theory of what the Big Bang is. 
which Brian Cox wouldn't be happy with because it involved basically the universe was created by the fall of Satan. That's actually what the almost like the thud. Um, and so I, th- that I would really recommend getting. It's got loads of brilliant extras as well. I've always thought that George Lee Scott was inspired replacement for uh, Lee J. Cobb. Yeah, Lee J. Cobb. He, he's so good in it. He's and, and the whole thing is a masterpiece. And, and like I said, also genuinely horrific and genuinely disturbing at times. And then the other film I was going to briefly mention, Excision. Have you seen Excision? Oh, yes. No. Yeah, yeah. Which, no, I've not seen that. I mean, it's got John Waters as a Catholic priest. If that hasn't sold it for you. <laughs> awesome. But I thought I thought Excision was great. Tracy Lord as the kind of, you know, full-on born-again Christian mum. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it also does what The Love Witch did, which is basically it has a, a, a kind of scene involving menstruation, which is just saying, hey, this is what happened. And Because if you've seen The Love Witch, you'll know that she she puts in a scene where she makes a spell using a used temple. And she put that in because she just read the statistics on how many uh, married men had never seen one. And she went, this yeah. is just crazy because it's so much part of life. But there's a there's a scene excision, which is is just, yeah, it's, I really like the lead character. And I've spoke to loads of people. No, I just found her too weird and horror. You know that bit when you think, yeah, you're not a proper horror fan because mm. you're finding someone too weird. Weird. and we're going good weird this is good weird <laughs> emily my low is the i think it's 1981 don't go in the woods um, oh fucking hell that um, is a pile of shite <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know how long it is i think it's about 70 minutes but it's and and, yeah. and it was one of the video nasties i think presumably yeah. because the poster involves someone's head being cut off it's just your basic kind of slasher movie campers in the woods being terrorized by some kind of man beast um and it's got loads of like like really really cheap nasty sound effects like it's done on like someone's mum's bon tempi in 1982 and it probably was and there's a lot of um there's a lot of wacky sort of bits that are like this bit's meant to be comedy relief so you've got an old woman climbing up a hill and you've got this sort of noise on the um on the soundtrack which I've seen an old woman climbing up a hill. That doesn't happen. Took me right out. There's that guy in the wheelchair who takes ages to wheel himself up the mountain and then gets killed as soon as he gets to the top. There's that weird bit where there's four kids going camping and one of them accidentally stabs the other and just goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I don't know why I hated that film. But when it came out on a Blu-ray and it had three commentaries and a documentary, I thought, oh, I have to buy this to, mm. you know, find out how the fuck it happened. And have I watched any of them? Let listen to the commentary. No, because it's so bad. I don't want for, to watch it For again. that kind of thing to work, you wouldn't want a commentary so much as a phone where you could ring the, um, the phone line. for the director <laughs> and what <laughs> line, but also a line where you can ring the people that made it and go, explain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And they'll probably go, we had a load of red paint and a lot of cannabis. And that's how this <laughs> happened. Um, and my um, my highlight, again, I'm looking for comfort vision um, because real life is more horrible than horror movies at the moment. Um, and my notion of comfort vision is a bit weird. Last month, it was from beyond. Uh, this month, it's Phantasm, which okay. I absolutely bloody love. Yeah, boy. Um, it makes no sense and it's batshit and it's very much got the vibe of I'm making a movie on the weekend with my friends and um, yeah, absolutely love it. And also all of them are on the Arrow channel on Amazon Prime, so they're all on there. And I've not seen the fifth one and it's probably shit, but I don't care. That little boy in Phantasm has the worst haircut in horror. 
It was the 70s. Oh, I've seen worse. <laughs> I just love that it spawned several films. But is that because it's got exactly the right amount of not making sense? Yeah. Unlike a film like yeah. Wrong Turn or whatever, which kind of is complete in itself in whatever way you want to look at it, Phantasm, you, you kind of go, hang on, what did I see? And, and you almost don't remember the narrative order of it. Mm. You, you remember sequences, so you think... Maybe if I see a second one, everything will kind of slot together. No, I should return to that. I'll probably end up watching it because all I really remember from the first one was the creepy dude, small child and balls. Um, like a sort of flashback scene every now and then. I was go, oh yeah, that, that one. It is like watching someone else's dream in a it's... very kind of interesting and strange way. And um... It's a wonderful midweek film. This is true. I would love if there is a movie called It's a Wonderful Midweek Film in which Angus Scrim decides to kill himself. <laughs> an angel comes down and tells him that everything he did, how different people's life would have been if they'd not had a wonderful midweek film. Yeah, he'd be like, Angus Scrim, come on, I know you don't think your life amounted to anything, but I know people that got off with other people because they were able to go, boy, like what you do in them films. So... Well, like Flavor Flav. um right my low is a new film called the special it's about a bloke who doesn't get enough sex from his girlfriend so his friend takes him to a brothel and introduces him to the special which is a box that he can put his dick in and have a good time (laughs) and he has he has the best time with it better time than he's had with any woman because this is a film made by incels for incels um, it's it's so so bad, or oh, it's just awful. It's, it's dismal. It's got what well, I think one of the things that makes it really particularly annoying is that the last two minutes are so good. And like fucker, why did you have to put two minutes? Well, so it does turn out it was Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box all along. <laughs> that yeah. is very amazing. Um, I don't know. It's it's made me feel like I should stop watching straight to streaming films because. They, <laughs> I've learned that the last two months. Yeah, there's just so much mediocrity out there. And there's See, I disagree. I, I think there's, like, especially Amazon, there's, it really does feel, if you get into the right algorithm, like you are back in the video shop in 1984, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're taking a risk every time, and every now and again you find a beautiful gem of some forgotten film. Oh, no, but, no, that's different. No, 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 I don't mean don't mean like that. Older films, yes, Prime is full, oh, okay. of, full of weird shit. You get into a certain algorithm where you get all the yellow ones like coming at you and like yeah watch that watch that watch that watch that watch that and then you you finish you finish them you finish the good and then they go maybe this one about fucking a box and you go well you've been no, right mean, so far i mean i mean the new stuff there's just like a flood of it it's it's they whack them in don't they it's too easy to make films these days what does the box look like it's literally just a black box with a hole in it I was imagining like a box that they would use to deliver uh, Monster Munch into the newsagent. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's got a very Have you seen hole. the size of those holes? <laughs> well, you know, he's clearly got a high opinion of himself. And in the last two minutes, does it turn out to be a pink monster? It does it actually. It rips out of the box. It genuinely does. Really? Yeah. I don't need to watch it. I <laughs> no, don't watch it. Um, it's lovely when the snack industry get involved in the whole movie genre. Isn't it? Oh, is, God. But, I love that fact, you know, you say basically it does sound the way you've described it, that it was originally meant to be an actress playing that part. And because it's an incel movie, they just went, no women have said yes. Well, I've got this box. All right, then. Got a box and a puppet. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having said that like, I'm giving up on shit straight to streaming stuff, 
probably a bit hypocritical that my high of the month <laughs> is a shot on video British horror from 1985 called Bloodstream, which is an absolute stack of shit. It's so bad it's good, but it's so much love has gone into it. The guy who made it, Michael J. Murphy, obviously had fun making it. It's about a British horror director whose latest masterpiece, his, his uh, distributor says, I'm not selling that, it's a load of shit. And then as soon as he leaves the room, <laughs> the, the distributor goes, I was lying, it's a masterpiece. I'm going to make tons <laughs> of money off this. <laughs> Shakespeare stage whisper. Yeah, and so... <laughs> And so, Someone's um, done a drama GCSE. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the director goes mad and has to take his revenge. But also there's loads of um, clips from other films that the distributor's checking out. So the director got a chance to make a little scene in loads of different styles put throughout the movie. Oh, it, it's so much fun. I mean, it's absolutely right. The acting is awful. The script is awful, but the story kind of makes sense. And um, it's very gory and it's a lot of fun. That's Bloodstream. And that is on Where Amazon is that? Prime. Oh, Amazon, sorry. I, I believe... No, it's on YouTube. It's not on Prime. No, it's, it's, it's Amazon it's Prime as well. Oh, it's on Prime as well. Yeah, I just, just looked. I mean, that is one of those, yeah, one of those gems out there. So, yeah. So they were our highs and lows. And now it's time to move on to this month's theme and discover the Mephistopheles and Lucifers of Satanism. And our first feature this month is Carlos Puerto's 1978 film Satan's Blood. Unfortunately, there's no proper trailer for this in existence. I'll just make some Spanish noises and you like do some dubbing over the top. <laughs> I'm more interested in hearing <laughs> your Spanish noises than my improvised dubbing. Oh, I've got, I went up to level three on Geolingo during lockdown one. Hang on. Una mesa para dos, por favor, don leche. Oh, no, Satan. Arf, arf, arf. Call me Blackie. Oh, it's a Blackie. Bang. Oh, no, it's a Satan. Brilliant. Thank you. And then you can just you can just dub over that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a married couple with nothing better to do except the invitation from a pair of strangers to join them for a nice evening of cheese, wine and Ouija boards. But it all goes a bit tits up in both senses of the phrase. Uh, now, uh, Carlos Puerto, the director, might not be a well-known name, but apparently Juan Piquet Simon of Pieces and Slugs Infamy was the uncredited co-director, which might explain why Satan's Blood is so much bloody fun. Do you agree? I paid some attention to this film. Good. Um, and what did you think? Yeah, I, I, You saw some bollocks, which is quite well, nice. Yeah, that was my <laughs> favourite. Lizzie got me a projector for... Um... <laughs> <laughs> so you could see bollocks. Yep, this is this is the reason I've got the projector now, just for this bollocks scene. No, I, I, really, I did for serious. I did um I did really enjoy it because it it started and it was like oh this is this is one of my films and it? it's just got like tits and um Europe and Satan and I like all those things um and a dog not a cat but you know needs must um. It was a. Uh, it was good. It was really good at sort of building the the tension when they were driving, and it was just like, why don't you just turn around, you morons? And then it just gets weirder and weirder. And I really do enjoy films where people are just so stupid they won't leave. Um, but you could just leave. Um, I enjoyed the naivety of the woman, and she was just really up for it because he was a bit like, no, it's fine. And then uh, the kind of twist at the end and. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I have no complaints. 
Um, there glad. were bollocks in it. I'm, I'm quite happy to see bollocks. I'm quite happy to see Satan. That's all I need to know. Um, <laughs> so if you're a man who has Satan tattooed on your testicles, you've just found out your dream date. Um, the, uh, it's interesting because I, what I quite like the fact it, it kind of does throw a little bit of a, a, a kind of a dummy curve at one point, doesn't it? When the whole thing of her being pregnant, where you immediately feel that this is going to be, especially with the neighbours, are these neighbours representing the same kind of neighbours? So you think it's going to... That's what I love about, especially Spanish and Italian rip-off films, is they start off ripping off one film and then forget which one they were ripping yeah. off and start ripping <laughs> off another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I thought that was that, that was quite a lot of um, fun. And also it had the advantage of, unlike a lot of the other Satan films we've watched, it didn't have what I would call the on-the-buses level of sexuality in which you have awful old men who've gone into <laughs> satanism to get immediate access to sky-clad young women and uh, so so at least it had that where the age disparity was not as, as ugly as it is in a lot of the others no, I mean, was true. she was she pregnant though because she was drinking quite freely and she was like yeah Ouija seven yeah, is. Yeah, seven yeah. Is. oh and also she wasn't pregnant as well I mean that was the other thing yeah, is because yeah. of the number of nude scenes there was a bit where you go really not showing at all this, this was a there was a theme with a couple of these films that like they 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 just they start don't they they just start like there's there you go bang satan this is what you're in for <laughs> for at least 82 minutes it's i've had to write down like little like prompts on on what each title is because a lot of them blurred into one because I've seen a lot of tits this month. I wish, um, I, wish I had done that because I've yeah, all of them me today. Too. Have you just done little sketches of all the tits? Yeah, yeah. So just... differentiate. And then one, one sketch of some bollocks sandwiched yeah. in between <laughs> the man's legs. But just a sliver of bollocks. Just a little, 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 little bollocks. Little, little sliver. <laughs> the Spanish title, Escalofrio, means chill because what a remarkably chill film this is. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of the guy in the freezer? Uh, Could be. uh, Who was he? Who was he? I I was only half paying attention. Um, I was paying attention so much, I was thinking, oh, you never see those little anti-static strips on the back of cars anymore that they've got in this. (laughs) Whatever happened to them? Used to be around in the 70s and 80s. Don't know. Wasn't around in the 80s. No, you weren't. That's true. I would love you to do director's commentaries. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have, you, have you heard the one done on um, Cobra uh, by George Pan Cosmatos? I haven't. I haven't heard the commentary. No, it's it's on YouTube, and I don't know if it's a situationist prank or not. But it's literally just him saying they're going. There's uh, the car. It's a supermarket. <laughs> so a pile of melons. <laughs> There's a guy with a gun. The guy with a gun. Throughout. The, the film he just says exactly what you see on the screen maybe he thought he was on catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> I would love catchphrase to go down a satanic route that would be amazing what told you that it wasn't down a satanic route already <laughs> well yeah <laughs> especially in recent years the, the sort of wall 3D rendered Mr Chips is absolutely fucking terrifying <laughs> did they say <laughs> Cliff, is it you who gets really angry on Facebook about what the uh, what counts as a catchphrase now? Yeah, what are they bloody talking about? What was it they had last week on catchphrase? It was... Um... <laughs> it was like he pied me off or something. It's like a terrible Yeah, he phrase. pied me off. That's it. <laughs> I've never seen... I love watching people get really angry on Facebook about these kind of things. They sometimes have song lyrics on there because they had um, my, my Milkshake Brings All the Boys to the Yard on catchphrase the other day. Well-known, that's fair that's enough. a well-known catchphrase, yeah. 
But yeah. she's pied him off. She's pied him off. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, Satan, Satan, Satan. Um, I really like Anna in this film. I bet she wishes that she had a change of clothes because after a satanic orgy, you can't really walk around in a stripy brown jumper. It's just your your brown stripy jumper days are over after that night. Well, yeah, because the um the devil sex grease that comes out of a skull that yeah, that'll ruin yeah. any that ruin any fabrics. That I will. I was so happy about that because usually in sort of sexy times, um, there's no explanation for why everyone's so slippery. People just turn up slippery. They didn't play with that enough though. That idea that then something satanic would come in and they would spend 15 minutes just slide trying to get up back <laughs> over again. That's what I, I think would have been more, more He fun. could have done with a bit of um, bit of a slapstick interlude and sort of like falling over the Ouija board, knocking wine over. and Or an old woman coming in. Whap, 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 yeah. whap, whap, whap. <laughs> and then falling over yeah. and then just sound of someone hitting their head on the keyboard. Yeah. I mean, sure, because Satan's only got like, he's got slippery hands because he's part lizard, isn't he? So like, if you're covered in lube, he's not going to catch you. It's because he's sweaty. That's why. Yeah, he's got, but he's like got... also maybe the Catholic Church should get involved in lube because then Satan won't catch you if you're too greased up. I love the idea. He's sweaty as if he's always going, "Oh bloody hell! I hope this procession goes all right." <laughs> I've had some right balls up with them recently. <laughs> oh, you're right, Satan. No, I'm bloody not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Luke, what did you think of it? Um, Bollocks I like the doll. The, the doll was amazing. Oh, that was oh, good. Really yeah. was good. It's horrible. When the doll first turns up, I think, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And it's a dream sequence. It's, oh, that's a shame. But then it comes yeah. back later. And it's like, yay, it was real. The woman acts a bit too normal when she finds the other woman just with her face in a bowl in the kitchen. Oh, no, I really liked that about it. I thought she was just really, really polite. I was watching some old um, zombie movie. Might have been an Italian one, but I think it's, I think it's true in Spanish and Italian movies that some of them, some of the actors just don't ever react. I can't remember which zombie movie it was from the early 80s. And there's carnage going on. And there's just a woman walking through the middle of it going, Tony, Tony, where are you, Tony, Tony? And that, I mean, that's what I love about that utter, it's not even, it's, it's like Fulci. You know, even the really good Lucio Fulci, you go, yeah. well, hang on a minute. There's no reaction and no one's decided to walk away. I mean, at least walk away while the horrible creatures are coming to you. But I, so I think sometimes there's also just that, which it just feels like, do you know what? I could explain to the actor what I think their reaction would be, but that, we've got a day left and the light's going. So we just have to get on with it. Yeah. Just look. So, things get quite rapidly weirder and weirder with those with, when they're in that house because they're like, let's do Ouija. Oh, the glass exploded. Anyway, choose. And, um, I, love, yeah. I love the spirit in the Ouija board when they say, is there anyone there? And it goes over towards no. And then, and then, and then suddenly goes off to see. It's like, ah, just <laughs> Cheeky spirit bounce. But I love the fact that the, um, the Ouija board is an occasional, like little occasional table and it's beautiful. Ooh. It's like, let's do Ouija. It pulls back the tablecloth and there it is. It's, I was just appreciative nice. that they, uh, they repeated what was saying because I was spelling it out. Because, you know, when you watch it, you're like, M. Mm. Oh no, I don't speak Spanish. I'm only level three hundred. <laughs> if he wants a beer, I'm fine. But if <laughs> Satan wants anything more than a beer, <laughs> maybe, maybe he just wants cafe con leche. It's okay. Cafe con leche. <laughs> Mi amano is uh, muy interesante. Your hand is very interesting. No, my brother is very interesting. Your hermano oh. is brother. Yes, manos oh, yeah, yeah. his hand. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, uh, I'm really glad you all liked Satan's Blood, but Luke, I don't think you liked many of the films, if any, of on this month's watch list. Um, 
I think some of them are a bit fun, but I th- I, th- I shouldn't have watched them all in one in one go. I woke up mm. at quarter past right. six today. I'd already watched two of the films, and I decided to watch the rest of them all oh, in one go. Oh, you did it, me! And they all just sort of just yeah have all just meshed together. So I'm probably going to get some confused, but. Uh, right, we'll have more sleazy trash later, but let's wind back to 1968 and a film where the sleazy trash mainly stays behind the camera. Roman Polanski's <laughs> Rosemary's Baby, which kicked off a trend of big studio devil movies, including, of course, The Exorcist, which we covered back on episode 10. So Rosemary's Baby, then. I mean, it's a film that uh, it was deemed an unimpeachable classic. I've always been kind of, yeah, it's good, but... It's so long. good. It's so, so good. It's very good, but I find it very, very hard to watch it, and not just because of you know, the, the Polanski Association, just the idea of this poor woman just having her agency taken away, and even, like, her, you know, she can't even... She can't choose what doctor she goes to. She can't choose what's happening to her body. And that sense of kind of claustrophobia and inability to escape, that is freaky enough without all the Satan stuff. I put off watching it for ages and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to watch Rosary's Baby because I know the soundtrack. I know it's like such a big piece of culture. I'm going to watch it, separate art from artists. You know, I like Baby Driver and Kevin Spacey's terrible. I like Bowie and Bowie, you know, Shag Kids. It's just allegedly. Um, I, I love Bowie, but like I gave it a go and I, I loved it. But there was one bit that made me sort of go up inside myself was when um he, he basically raped her. Yeah. He, he, he did marital rape. Drugs her and rapes her and then laughs it off. Yeah, yeah. So but, awful. And it was just so casually mentioned and it makes you remember like, oh yeah, until like the 90s, marital rape was legal. Mm. And all she could do was go, oh, that wasn't very nice of you. And The thing is, he didn't. He, he's covering up what really happened by saying... Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was too real, man. Like, the yeah. scratches and stuff. That that was like... That took me out of the film and it was like, that's too real, dude. Like, I mean, I didn't say that when I was watching that because I'm, I'm cool. But the characters are amazing. And um, moving on from the marital rape and the ickiness and the, the behind-the-scenes ickiness, um, she's incredible. Yeah. The, the neighbours are incredible. Ruth They're Gordon's like... so good as Minnie. Oh, oh she's amazing. God. I love Ruth Gordon. So good. It's just, because I, I, I've watched a lot of Seinfeld recently, so I was just watching it with like a with a bass funk soundtrack in my head. Just like, <laughs> oh, Mitzi! It was so good, I kind of forgot how icky I felt. It is an interesting thing of that idea of separating the artist and the work, which I often do have a problem with. Um, I mean, I think, you know, that ickiest scene, that dark dream uncertain scene is a brilliantly shot scene and, and has that quality just a, a li- I mean, it always reminds me of kind of then what John Carpenter did in Prince of Darkness in a very different way with that dream sequence, which gets just that right connection between the idea of this is reality and this isn't reality and this is some some dark manifestation of the inner mind. So it, it's not a film that I return to very often, actually. I watched it again mm. and I now probably won't watch it again till I die. Um, well, af- after not- you die or... Uh, I will definitely be watching it a lot then, okay. if I'm whichever circle of hell I'm on. If I if I'm on that circle of hell where every time I'm trying to watch it, there's this DJ going about his pentangle, <laughs> then it's a disaster. But um, but no, I I, I mean I do think I, like Polanski. My favourite one of his is probably actually The Tenant, which I just yeah, think is a too. really ominous and strange film. I was trying to find out if it's just a major coincidence that Ira Levin's novel Rosemary's Baby includes a character called Roman Castavet. And then the film was directed by Roman Polanski, starring John Cassavetes. Was he trying to sort of, oh, I really want Roman Polanski to direct this. I really want John Cassavetes in it. 
I'm going to make this character up. Roman cast of it. I thought he was manifesting in a sort of Noel Edmonds kind of way. Oh, God. <laughs> if I say these people are in there, then... Um... Although, to be honest, especially his, his current look, Noel Edmonds who's currently got the sort of satanic BG kind of thing. He would fit into one of these films as like a sort of silent he priest. He wears shirts, up. yeah. I like this film, though. The idea goes, what would you like to swap? I would like to swap my soul for Monopoly. You know, that I think is... Guess who's on the phone? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the phone lines are open. Let's get the uh, the first call for Alistair Crowley. And what would you like to say? Alistair Crowley, shit! <laughs> yes, I, I, I know that's you, Anton LaVey. I know that's you bringing up the swap shop line. <laughs> right, I think the ultimate Rosemary's Baby rip-off is Michael Winner's The Sentinel. Um, it's a very different story, but everything else is pretty much interchangeable to the extent that I could swear that Burgess Meredith was in Rosemary's Baby. But exactly. I totally agree. Yes. He's basically playing the Ruth Gordon role, isn't he? Um, I love The Sentinel. The only thing that would improve it is if Lucio Fulci had directed it. Mm. Oh, that would have been brilliant. Yeah, it had oh. a proper Fulci vibes, especially with the fucking blinders. He loves blind people, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves the blind. Does a lot of work for the blind. <laughs> I fucking love this film. It was amazing. Yeah, I've not seen this before. It was great no, fun. It was so good. So and stupid. Random weird non secateurs that I absolutely love, like the woman going black and white cat, black and white black cake. White cake. <laughs> <laughs> I've started saying that to Oreos. It's nice to have a kind of a, a subversion of the, the trope that we've talked about of um this guy is a murderer because he saw his parents doing a sex or he saw mm. his mum doing a sex. In this one, girl gets traumatised because she saw her dad having a sexy cake party with two ladies. Yes. <laughs> also, acting fact, Bryony's fact, still have a jingle yet. Hang on, hold up, hold your horses. Fuck yeah! <laughs> He's made it. Uh, Ro- <laughs> uh, Robin, I should, I should explain. <laughs> Don't explain, like I said, I like the avant-garde. I'll explain this. Bryony often comes up with um, quite mundane facts about actors <laughs> in the films we're watching. And I normally cut them out because they are mundane, but one or two like, <laughs> slipped through the net last month. And so she was like, do I get a jingle? Do I get a jingle? Brian is acting back. Brian is acting back. <laughs> she saw an actor something else, because that's what they do, they act. Hold on to your hat. But Brian is acting back. Were they in Star Trek or something else in sci-fi category? There you I go. Love <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I've vindicated. That's amazing. Anyway, did you know Christopher Walken's in this and he's an actor? <laughs> <laughs> he was in Dead Zone and uh, Fat Boy Slim video. Yes, what was your real acting fact? That was it. No. The acting fact isn't about Michael Winner saying, calm down, dear, in the insure adverts. <laughs> oh, no, but he directed the film, didn't No, uh, that was literally my acting fact. Um... Oh, for fuck's sake, what a waste of a jingle. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got so many. <laughs> um, so Michael Winner, yeah, Michael Winner directed it, and his commentary track is hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's oh, I've amazing. not heard that. It's brilliant. The very first thing he says on it is, there's my Wells voice, Phantom 5. <laughs> <laughs> I, lent it, I lent it to the production. I say Lent, I probably charged them for it. <laughs> uh, if you ever want um, very, very quick entertainment, have a read of the Wikipedia entry for Michael Winner. Because there are two of the best sentences ever in that. One of them 
describes him being hospitalised because he ate nothing but steak tartare for five days. And it says, winner acknowledged that this was rather silly. <laughs> and the other one talks about um, him as a young man. It's like his first film was a travel log entitled Welcome to Belgium, which was filmed on location in East Grinstead. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, it's important for you to know that this is the pinnacle of his career. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't think there's any film that's as much fun. Chris Rea as an annoyed photographer who decides to get <laughs> revenge on his friends, uh, imparting shots. Yeah, Chris Rea, the singer, and Felicity Kendall and Oliver Reed, ending on the traditional Michael Winner end for any film after about 1985, which is a freeze frame on people laughing after 30 years of making films. And uh, parting <laughs> shots is a really remarkable, much like this, where you just go, Michael Winner took people out for really good meals. And, you know, and that that's that's why you see, you know, Ava Gardner's in it, you know, Jose Ferrer. It's an incredible cast of people. Mm. Um, Christina Raines is great. And Chris Sarandon, of course, you know, went, went on to be in uh, Fright Night and all of those things. And um, but it is it's, it's a film that doesn't quite make sense. And I think it's great for that. And it, and the horror of it is I, I, I will still agree, though, with people who say that bit of using people with genuine kind of disabilities Ooh. and facial disfigurements yeah, from that. Oh, yeah. that that is still uh, it doesn't yeah. feel right there if they were characters then that would be something this is the one i enjoyed the most um because the it just went sort of batshit crazy at the end and did a lot that i wasn't expecting it to go and do and the woman screaming over the cat running into the room before it jumped into the man's arms was a it's a great scene. <laughs> uh, sticking... I don't know why that's the scene I remember the most. Uh, cats are memorable. Sticking <laughs> with the classy Hollywood productions, the Mephisto Waltz from 1971 is about a big penis who wants to make another penis in his image. I said pianist. Um, I hadn't seen this one before, actually. It's um, average. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> it's, a tr it's very much a 1970s TV movie, considering it is a f of actually a cinema release. Even the credits at the end, you start to question whether this is Paul Wendkos, isn't it? I think director did something like the Magnificent Seven Ride as well, and then was predominantly a TV director. I think it does. I mentioned the Love Witch before. It might perhaps not in this edit. It depends, but I, I feel like Love Witch, which so perfectly created that seventies look, and I think is a really interesting film generally as well. Mm. I think it has a certain element of Mephisto Waltz in it, but it's it's also horrible. There's a thing in it. For, I mean, considering the number of horror films, I don't know why this hit me so hard. But the scene in which um, Alan Alder has now lost his soul and Kurt Jürgen is in his body and he returns coldly to Jacqueline Bissett and just kind of looks at her naked is really horrible. It's, mm. And I think there's something also about the way that Alan Alder, there's, the way he plays this new coldness, I, I, I found that, for some reason, just really disturbing moment. I might re-relate it to Jacqueline Bissett, but we haven't figured this out yet. Um, mm. I've asked my dad. Oh, yes, you might be related yeah. to Jacqueline Bissett, yes. Her dad is from the same area as my Bissetts, but because um, I don't talk to my dad's side of the family, don't know. But um, mm. I'm as stunning as her, so maybe. Um, so that's another acting fact. I might be related to this this naked lady in the film. Wicked. Yay. Thanks. Get, get her on the show. Meanwhile, in Britain, Hammer's contribution to the trend was To the Devil a Daughter in 1976. What's that you got there, Robin? The facts about a feature film. It's a kid's book about how feature films are made, but they use it to, to make To the Devil a Daughter. 
I imagine the uh, photos aren't too explicit. No, they're not at all because they have to. It's just a, hey, kids, this is how films are made. Special effects are the special effects that are used to make things look special that aren't actually real. But it's just such an odd... I mean, I don't know who did the contract for, the, for for this one because, of course, they can't tell you anything about the film because the film is really not the right kind of film no. to... Yeah. Mm. So how they do publicity for a film. There we are. A little montage collage on the back. Lovely. So they got the picture of the goblin, the red goblin. It has oh no interesting God, pictures in it at all. amazing. <laughs> do you know when you're just watching something, you're like, sure. Sure, I'm on board with this. And she's just caressing this goblin that she she's given birth to between her legs yeah. and like Yeah. So so Natasha Kinsky, who was fourteen at the time. Oh no. Buck naked with some puppeteer's hand between her legs operating a yeah. red goblin. And the goblin I... had a bit of a tongue. It had a tongue going on as yeah. well, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was a very, very oh, very no. high ick factor in this. I, I took a video of that uh, bit in the film and put it on my Instagram stories. Oh, no, you're going to be arrested. I know. <laughs> and I work in social care. I swear I did. Oh, she, was, she was 18 and illegal. I didn't know. Well, she's playing um, an 18-year-old. And why would you yeah. cast a 14-year-old to play an 18-year-old unless you want to watch a load of teenage tits and muff? I mean, I got cast mm. as a 10-year-old at eight. So, you know, it's just the business, isn't it? Did you have your tits and muff out, though? No, That's I all right, then. stood in the park and looked shocked. And the following year, Natasha Kinski started a relationship with Roman Polanski, who was 42. Oh, oh. gross. Yeah. Rick, what do you think? You're being super quiet. That was absolutely, I thought the goblin was really cute. And now it's just like... <laughs> it's tainted. Yeah. yeah. The goblin looked like... Um, what was it that, that you used to be able to get as a kid? The goblin that oh, you could geez. put on your hand? Boglins. Boglins, yeah. Boglins, yeah, because the guys tried to bring them out again um, last year. He tried to rebrand them again and try and make them popular again. Move away from the, the paedophile film thing. There's an actor in it called Richard Widmark. <laughs> same thing. There was an old actor called Widmark. You had a very last skidmark. Yeah. You, hey. yeah I, I didn't need to finish it, did I? He's great, no. Richard Widmark. He, he plays the old, the old American guy who's kind of, you know, investigating it all and stuff. He's one of those American actors who, who you know, Hammer would get almost like the Brian Don Levy of his time. You know, you were a big star. We can still get you uh, for this money. And then he also ends up in the Lewis Collins SAS movie, uh, Who Dares Wins as well. But it is an odd. I got thrown out of some Facebook Hammer group because of this film where I'd not realised, I must have been really bored early in lockdown, I just thought, I'll just join some groups about things that I like, mm. not realising that they're normally run by people who hate the thing, you know, in that same <laughs> way that you know, Doctor Who or Star Wars groups are always filled with people, I'll tell you what's rubbish about the new Star Wars, why not start a group about something you've enjoyed You've <laughs> been on the wrong Star Trek groups. No, I'm sure I've been on the wrong ones, but this one was like, so it was this Hammer group and then this guy who's in charge of it just went I'll tell you right, these are the things that really annoy me when people put them up on uh, and it was just normal things that people say if they've got an interest in films and it was things like the ending of To the Devil and Daughter's not very good because it's not it's a really big build up and it ends up all you needed was the catapult to beat Satan right and you, you're imagining <laughs> it was going to be more than that he doesn't even need a catapult it turns what, you didn't out like, you a... didn't like the two minutes of uh, colour filters and um, wide angle <laughs> lens so of course a lot of people say that so he was saying it annoys me when people bring these things up and and I just said to him, I said, what are the things you enjoy that people bring up? 
and I was immediately thrown out of the group <laughs> because I I dared to suggest. And I and I I've sent him a message. This guy, he's some former policeman from Scotland, so it doesn't bode well for his destiny. Um, but he, uh, but yeah, and, and I, I, I I I said to him, I said I wasn't having to go. I literally was interested because it was a list of things that you you don't like people saying. I wondered what you enjoy. Nope, that's it. I recommend one Facebook group, by the way, if you don't know it, Nostalgia That Never Existed, uh, oh, nice. which is Simon Donald from Viz began, uh, formerly of Viz, and he's a lovely man. Oh, um, yeah, I, it, think I'm, I think I'm in that one. I mean, it's, it's like the it's a lot of fun. It's bonkers. Yeah. yeah. So, Robin, when we were figuring out which films to cover on this, I was very surprised that you suggested Cynthia the Devil's Doll from 1970. Yeah, <laughs> well, do you know what? It's because I'd never seen it. Oh, right. It's a double bill on something yes. weird DVD label yeah. with the Anton LaVey documentary that was made. And of course, like a lot of something weird, I've never got round to watching the second film, you know, because oh, right. sometimes you just think the first one's great and the Anton LaVey documentary is an interesting and, and kind of, you know, uh, documentary. So I, and I'd not realised it was a Ray Dennis Steckler movie either, mm -hmm. which I think it is, isn't it? Isn't it Ray Dennis Steckler? Yes, it is. Yeah. He made Rap Think of Boo Boo, which is just yeah. dreadful. And and it's uh, these are funny, aren't they? Because for 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 our generation, as as the two oldest people, I imagine certainly, I, I presume. I mean, I, I haven't let myself go, off, but, but yeah. But that when we were growing up and we were first getting books about cult movies, you would read about Raider, and so they became these prized items. And then a bit like when you were mentioning video nasties, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, imagine what they're like. It'll be like going into this really strange, terrifying. Oh, it's just not very well made movie. It's just and, 80 cats. Yeah, it's just, it's not enough cats. <laughs> Ten of which are a bit cross, the others aren't asked. Yeah, it's, it's I think that's a good horror movie, just called Some Cats Were Angry. <laughs> I think it'll work. Attack of the Mardi Cats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Afternoon of some disgruntled kittens. Yeah. So that said, did you like Cynthia the Devil's Doll? Do you, uh, are you glad you suggested it for us to watch? And do you think you're going to keep your Radio 4 job? Uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you what I would say out of the films on this list mine is the least problematic if you look at the a birth certificate of the actors involved she was um, 18 and legal she was a Sunday school teacher though she was like an overrated she was like 21 and a Sunday school teacher but it's a funny film don't you think because the first 10 minutes is you have never had in terms of even Freud would go hey 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 calm down lads it's the most excessively <laughs> Freudian first 10 minutes of any movie. I find it funny, but that's because I went to art school in London for six years. And that's the only reason why. Like, if I take myself out of that, I just go, this is fucking shit. Why? Why? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. This is the other one with the um, the trope turner thing. It's like, how dare you have yeah, sex yeah, with yeah, mommy, yeah. daddy? Stab, stab, burn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so weird. And then she, like, marries her dad, but then there's... Yeah, yeah the final shot, the reveal. She's married her dad. Readers, I married my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you buy... Fa oh, Emily, you might have this. When you buy, like, Father's Day's cards, it's like... It's, you can't buy cards that say, dear daddy, anymore, because... It's just too wrong. And I was like, oh, that's just a my generation thing. But, you know, no. In the 70s, everyone fucked their dad, so you can't buy those cards. Is that because all teenage girls call boys they fancy daddy? Yeah, everyone's called daddy now. And it's like, I mean, I don't, you, no, you've not met my dad. My dad's like a man from Aberdeen called Alan. And it's like, Alan's like the least daddy man in the world. It's like, hi, daddy. <laughs> Hello there, you cunt. I love you. Um. <laughs> so he's very much if Tennessee Williams did train spotting. 
Father's Day yeah. cards tend to be um, pictures of steam engines, golf, yeah. football, yeah. or alcohol, which my dad has a drink problem, so that that one's obviously ruled out. He doesn't he doesn't play golf and he's not that interested in football, so I have to just basically get the blandest card ever and write to Dad Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Because the ones that are actually aimed at dads are rubbish, and they'll they'll just say things like, "Dad, you're old and you're gonna die soon." Thanks, Dad. <laughs> cheers, Dad. Those are the, those are humour cards. I just send Alan a text now going, "Cheers," and because uh, he does the same. Like two weeks before my birthday, he just went, "Happy birthday." There's fifty pounds in your account. I'm like, "It's not my birthday yet." He went, "That's fine." <laughs> I'm glad our discussion of Cynthia the Devil's Doll has turned into you two talking about your daddy issues. Yeah, so I always get my dad um, a card with a shed on it every year. (laughs) Dads love sheds. They love them. They're mad for Love a shed. Bloody love it. I love bad movies, and this is is the perfect bad movie. All right. There was a point when I would go to alternative theatre to just to see what it was like, and that's what this film is. Yes. And it has it has alternative theatre in it. It was like it really does. Yeah. A play within a play, a shit within a shit. It was like a turd that had been turded out already. <laughs> just that part with the guys going, Cynthia, where are you, Cynthia? Where are, like for ages. <laughs> are they doing? Are they doing blackface in that scene as well? Um, Could well be. Uh, it just uh, didn't look right. There's so many dream sequences in this film, and I'm sure the reason is because, like, if it's a dream sequence, you don't need a reason to have all the women with their tits out. It looks quite nice in a sort of colour saturated music does. video sort of oh, way. It does. It does. It's very experimental. It's very fucking weird. Maybe it's of its time. I don't know. Maybe everyone's a pedo apart from us. I must state that that's apart from us. <laughs> but that fits in with what I said at the beginning, which is the on the buses rule of culture. So in America and Spain and Italy, you had at least these kind of strange artistic films. In the UK, we had Reg Varney, Doris Hare and various women that were 30 years younger with someone who had been in the most terrible dental accident ever. And, this is, you know, and it's such an odd... So I think it's it, the whole... You know, look at all those mainstream Peter Sellers films where he would do things like... What's that one? Is it Hoffman? Where he kidnaps a young woman to persuade her to fall in love with him. And in the end, of course, she does. There's about three Sellers movies. And, and, and these were mainstream. The thing with On the Buses... Uh, that the On the Buses movie was the most successful film that Hammer Studios ever put out. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be Devil Times 5 without an Italian sex film. And this month's offering is Ring of Darkness from 1979. <laughs> now, Brian, you failed to watch the Italian sex film. I know, I know. But that's all right, because you're going to be the only one not put in prison for watching it. Ah. It's a weird horror film podcast, isn't it, where the least problematic film discussed is Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby. Baby. (laughs) Is this the one that starts with an incredibly long piece of choreography, dancing around the fountain or whatever? Yes. Right. Naked dancing, yeah. It was just terrible. I really like it. I really, really like it. I was so bored. I'm hoping it's this one. What one opens with the little girl saying it's 7.30? in the morning and I'm, I'm going to go and shower. Is it this one? Yeah. That's why I just stopped. My brain switched off. Because this is the one that we watched a, a VHS copy of. Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> well, funnily enough, no one's dared to re-release it on, uh, you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because Lara Vendor was 12 and she's fully in the buff. Was she 12? She was 12. And the thing is, looking at her Wikipedia, it's not the only dodgy film she made back then. She was in like quite a few kind of dodgy sex films when she was 12. 
And then she was in Tenebrae. Um, brilliant in that when she was an adult. Yeah, I, f- I found it too disconcerting. I think watching all of these together is a problem because they have so many issues with them. And you're just waiting for Race with the Devil where everyone's a grown up, you know, <laughs> and they've, they've, they've splashed out on a Winnebago and you're just waiting for that moment. What I like about Ring of Darkness is it's, it's like the premise is what happens to a woman after she's given birth to the spawn of Satan. So whereas all these other ones, Rosemary's Baby and the like, to the devil of daughter, finish with them giving birth to the spawn of Satan. This is like 12 years later. What is it like having this devilish kid? And it turns out the kid is quite annoying. Uh, well, her dubbing voice is incredible in the English dub. Mm. And why does the boy that asks her out, why does he sound like one of the rug rats? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Mario, could I come home with you? Why, Martin? Well, we could do our homework together, like the others do. And we could play together. Why can't we be friends? Because I'm bad. <laughs> Love it. Because I'm, because I'm bad. bad. Because I'm bad. She sounds very much like someone that would have bullied me in primary school. So it's just my issues coming out, not really anything to do with anything else. <laughs> the bit that I found weirdest is that Ian Bannon is in it. Mm. Now, Ian Bannon mm. is a great actor and, you know, made films with Sidney Lumet like The Hill and The Offence. And, and I think and also he's in the TV series of Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. And I just, uh, you know, when you see certain actors and again, that Michael Winner thing where you go, how did this happen? That they were having a drink somewhere and someone said, I'm making a movie and I've got this much for you just to turn up for a day and stand in a bar where this is where professors give lectures in my film. They they give lectures in bars. <laughs> is that okay? And that's what I found. And Frank Finley is in it. Yeah. You know, again, a, another... That was the thing that I found really weird about this this film is that there's some... And, you know, Irene Pappas, who was in um, Guns of Navarone, I think. It's like all these people have been tricked into making a film with a nonce ring. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how it could have happened. But anyway, meanwhile in Mexico, fun with nuns in 1977's Alicarda. Holy shit! I thought they were mummies. They're no, nuns. no, they, no, they no. like mummies when I first saw them on oh, screen. That's great though, isn't it? Because they flog themselves so much, they they were constantly bleeding, so they have to wear bandages. Ah, oh, okay. oh, this film was amazing, you guys. Yeah, it's good. yeah. I really, I really like this one. I love the kind of weird sort of fairy tale atmosphere to it, and it was good until until Hoggle from Labyrinth turned up. Oh, yeah, and he doesn't know whether to do an offensively uh, over-the-top German accent or an offensively over-the-top French one. So he does kind of both and something else. It's offensive either way. It's incredible. Sorry, it's so horrible. Oh, it is. He's yeah, like... it's grim. And he's got like a bit of like carpet for an eyebrow. This is, um... this... yeah, yeah. He's like, hello. Ah, like morph has been smoking crack <laughs> <laughs> i like the way that she's called alicarda which is obviously a dracula backwards a dracula, they never, they never yeah. raise that no one ever goes oh, it's a dracula backwards no they do make reference to dracula though because the um woman that dies in childbirth who's her her mom she's called mm. lucy westenra oh right oh, yeah, yeah one of the brides of dracula Oh, I didn't notice that. This is another one of those films from the list this month that just fucking started. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's too quick. 
if anything. Yeah, you put it on, it's like, right, I'll pour a glass of wine, I'll stick on my film. And... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's under 80 minutes, and I think that harms it in a way because, I mean, as soon as Justine meets Alicarda, um, she's just like, here are my secrets, I never show them to anyone. But her secrets are really cute. They're like little rocks and stuff. And like, as a, a girl guide leader, this is what kids do. Um, they don't do that, though. But they, they do. <laughs> See, it's got that quality of Jane Eyre about it. You remember when Jane Eyre, when she's a, a, a young girl who's sent to a, a school... I don't read books. She's sent, sent to an awful... I'm obviously talking about the movie. I haven't read the book. Um, but it's... Uh, but it's uh, but she's, she's sent to a school and she becomes very good friends with this other girl who eventually dies. There's a trope that goes with like, you know, women being sent away. like, And it's obviously they were going to like have some sex and obviously Satan was going to get involved because women, oh, we don't know what to do with them. Ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I got carried away there with Satan and lesbianism. <laughs> Not for the first time. Um, no. <laughs> it had that little Ken Russell kind of influence in it, you know, all of those things, that, 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 the heightened realism. It's, it's definitely, I would say, one of the least problematic films on this list. <laughs> and I think that's, that's a, a recommendation. pretty high... I think it's the strongest on this list. I... Do you know what? By strongest, I do mean least problematic. I feel <laughs> least problematic is how I'm now doing these. Right, enough sort of filth. Uh, we're going to finish with two PG-rated movies. Well, <clears throat> PG in that weird 70s sense of American horror films. We're getting PGs over there, but X certificates over here. One such example being Race with the Devil from 1975. Robin, you love Race with the Devil. Well, it's... It's only for nost- reasons. It's a great cast. Reasons of nostalgia, though, it was one of the first colour of the horror double bill I was allowed to see when I was growing up in the right. late 70s, early 80s. BBC Two during the summer would have a horror double bill season and it would start off with something like, you know, The Beast with Five Fingers with Peter Lorre, always a black and white movie. And then you would have a colour one, which was normally a not particularly impressive, you know, pretty kind of hack job movie and so being able to being allowed i wasn't allowed to stay up everyone else had fallen asleep earlier and i crept down as a 10 year old and watched this film in color and um i didn't watch it in color actually i should add even though i was really excited about seeing yeah my mum and dad didn't buy color telly till we'd all left home it's like as a form of punishment or a form to (laughs) woo us back um and uh so I, I I think it's a it's a fun, entertaining, slightly slow at times. It it doesn't necessarily work entirely, but it it has it's a nice pursuit movie. You know, it's kind of elements of duel and things like that in it. It's never a favourite, but I would return to it just to cling on to the memories of you know. That's fair. Enough. Happiness. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I was never a happy child. <laughs> if we were happy children, we'd never be here now, would we? Making this yeah. podcast. Uh, uh, for me. I, I just find it too much like American TV of the time. This film, it's, yeah, it, it's very kind of it's white bread, the right phrase. Uh, just like really bland two couples that we're following. Um, I don't really care for any of them. They're boring. They're grown up. It's men, well, and they're one of women. them's a motorcycle rider. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I did learn that there's a motorcycling equipment company called Bell Helmets off this film, oh which God. is... <laughs> of course, that's the thing you focus on. It is the thing I focus on. Um, <sighs> but it just seems um, like it's, it's, it's too too restrained. It's Obviously, they got that PG rating. That's blur some nudity out to get PG. 
And oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, they, it's they, the blurry totally, nudity. That yeah, was weird. Yeah. They blurred all the tits and the stabby yeah, stabby yeah, yeah. scene. But the writers, they wrote Love Camp Seven and the thing with two heads and chain gang women. And then to make something like this that just it just seems so tame. Maybe there was it a really, so... really messed up and dark first draft that they edited. Well, that's what I think. I wouldn't be surprised if there was. I've not seen this one before, but I quite enjoyed it. It felt like a bit like a Sunday afternoon film. And also yeah. mm. I'm not like into cars or anything but I, I quite liked all the car chases and I think it's because it's like um, Robin said a nostalgia thing because I remember being very very young in the early 80s and um, for some reason my entire family watching things like the Dukes of Hazard. That's exactly yeah. what it reminded me of. Just enjoying the cars basically and it was a little bit like oh, remember when you're at your nan's house enjoying watching cars. Yeah, the thing is, I didn't, I didn't ever enjoy watching the Dukes of Hazard. I hated it. So, but it was back in the days of three channels. It was fuck all else. You always watch a, a box be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to live in a world where you can't go outside and meet your friends, but you can watch a man fuck a box. Hooray! Dukes of Hazard replaced Starsky and Hutch, and Starsky and Hutch always drove through boxes. So you loved that show. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, they're dry. It's good that there's a box, but I think you could do more with it. It was released by Bryanston Films, and, you know, the first film they ever released was Deep Throat, which is a kind of... Post-porn fact. Post-porn fact. Post-porn fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically deliverance in a Winnebago. Yeah. I think that's the thing, is it's a road version of deliverance. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what makes it a little bit shit because it's in a Winnebago because yeah. it's like, yeah, I get what's going on. But also like my dad and my stepmom want to buy one of them. So we've got to drive faster. The Satanists are coming. Well, if we drive faster, the bottle of Thousand Island dressing is going to fall off the kitchen <laughs> area. <laughs> and the other weirdly PG rated film, if you're in America, that we're talking about is our second feature from 1975. It's The Devil's Reign, directed by Robert Fust. There have been films about earthquakes, airplane disasters, and blazing infernos. But there has never been anything like The Devil's Reign, starring Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine, Eddie Albert, William Shatner, Keenan Wynn, and Ida Lupino as Mrs. Preston. And with the special participation of Anton LaVey, High Priest of the Church of Satan. The Devil's Reign. Conceived by the producer of A Man Called Horse. Created by the masters of magic of Planet of the Apes. Together, they bring you a melting hell on Earth. And absolutely the most incredible, unforgettable ending of any motion picture ever. Heaven help us all when the devils reign. When the devils reign, what? That's such bad grammar. A man melts in front of his wife and son because he stole a sacred book from a satanic church in the desert. So the son makes the foolish decision to go and hand the book back over with apocalyptic consequences. That trailer was like listening to a UK garage like advert. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, this bog line. <laughs> Special participation. Special participation, MC. And Don Levy. face. <laughs> so, Robin, you chose this as our second feature. Yeah, I love it. 
because I love Robert Faust. I, I, he he made the uh, Faust. I don't know. I never know how his name's pronounced. Oh, fair enough. But, uh, it doesn't matter anymore because he's not around. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck him. You know, he directed <laughs> episodes of The Avengers. He made both the Dr. Fibes movies. He made uh, the Michael Moorcock, Jerry Cornelius adaptation, The Final Programme. This is the last time he gets to get anywhere near his kind because he had this fantastic style you know which kind of comes from the avengers which is this slightly otherworldly style and i think devil's reign is not a perfect film in in any way but i find it extremely enjoyable extremely preposterous it's got a young john travolta melting in it amongst other people who melt in it it has a scene where people melt that just takes too long <laughs> and it, and if you still don't think that's long enough obviously watch incredible melting man which the entire plot is imagine if someone started melting and then what happens? They just keep melting while they go for a walk. <laughs> they get angrier due to the melting. Um, but I, I, so I, I love his work, and I just watched this again recently, and that's why I recommend it. It's just because I think there's a lot of fun in it, and there is a comic book element to it as well, which I think is a lot. Of, you know, and Borgnine, as you know, the, there's yeah, a, yeah, I, I yeah. won't mention the twist, but it's <laughs> it's that bit where some of the actors just go, just give me a little bit more scenery because I'm still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, huh, well, I agree with some of that. I disagree with some other bits because I'm surprised by the director's heritage. Because I don't think the direction is very strong on this. It's quite dull a lot of the time. I don't think he's bringing his A-game. And as for the actors, most of them don't look like they've bothered putting any thought into their roles, I don't think. They just turn up, say the lines. Eddie Albert looks absolutely bemused by what he has to say. Um, none of them, apart from maybe Ida Lupino, she's the only one who seems to have actually put an effort into it. Uh, pay Paydo. Did you say? Oh, Lupino. <laughs> <laughs> I went to um, media studies school with her grandson, Andy Lupino. Uh, anyway, that's by the by. I bet he finds a way of crowbarring that in every single week. No, first time we've ever mentioned Ida Lupino. <laughs> yeah, again, he's found a way of getting Andy Lupino mentioned. <laughs> I love that you've gone, I've gone to film studies school with someone Lupino, and I, I earlier I go, Oh, um, Jacqueline Bissett's like my cousin. Everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah because like, oh, you told us that earlier in the week. That's why. Yeah, I'll right. tell you a better one. Right. My great uncle delivered Charlotte Rampling. There really? you go. Wow. But of course, she, she hasn't had a particularly great horror career, so it doesn't mean so much from the show. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, she was in Orca for a start. Orca? Is that a vegetable? No, it's a whale. <laughs> she was in the Night Porter with Dirt Bogard. In the uh, Night Garden. The not in, in the now. Never, if you ever, ever accidentally confuse, show your child, yeah, yeah, don't ever confuse those two things. Seriously, do not. I would like to make it clear that I don't know who you think I am, but I have always been Eagle Piggle. That is who. It's just to remind me of someone else from the time I was in. No, 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 no. I was, uh, yes, my name is Eagle Piggle. I've, I am definitely. It, it shows here on my passport that has recently dried. Eagle Piggle. <laughs> So William Shatner, when his eyes vanish, he really does look like Michael Myers. You can see the, yeah. <laughs> the William Shatner mask in there, can't you? Yeah, and then when you get the John Travolta, you just get the John Travolta chin. Yeah, and, and his character's called Danny. So is this what Danny Zuko yeah. used to get up to before he started shagging Australian strangers well, on the beach? That, that's meant to have happened in the 50s, so I assume that this is what happened to him towards the end Afterwards. of his life. Afterwards. <laughs> yeah. See, I love those things. Sandy fucked off and he joined a cult and then he got all melty. Makes it was sense. all the leather. 
And when he when he said I've got chills, they're multiplying. You know, it was a it was a premonition to his his sad end where he, he melted. <laughs> See, yes. that's what that's like my theory that basically the thing is a prequel to the Christmas Chronicles. That what happens is Macready survives and becomes Father Christmas twenty years later. Right. That's my theory. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kurt Russell, yeah, yeah. Christmas Chronicles is a very entertaining, lot of fun kids movie. And then years later, because he's been there, it's been cold. Everyone yeah. else has died, or you know, transformed into. Where some does he form get toys alien. from, though? Well, because what he does is he trains some of the transmogrifying aliens mm-hmm. to become various different toy-like items. Right. So in the third Christmas Chronicles, a little bit uh-huh. like halloween three season of the witch all yeah, the yeah, toys yeah. become demonic again so it's quite an interesting quadrilogy and do they have a similar song <laughs> i haven't written the song yet but when i do they will honestly robin i feel like you haven't thought this through <laughs> no, the scene in which the child says a skull that turns into a spider mummy daddy it's what i always wanted is yeah. very heartwarming <laughs> It is, but you know, we all have a starting point, but you need to like embellish vibes. <laughs> You're going to love the song when I finish completely. How many books have you written, Bryony? <laughs> I wrote, I, do you know what? You were like, oh, look at Robin Hood, he's good on telly. I've been on the bill and I wrote, uh, uh, <laughs> I wrote a Pokemon Pokedex when I was 10, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke. Um, yeah, name. this is one that I uh, enjoy a bit more. Uh, Ernest Borgnine <laughs> also played uh, Mermaid Man in SpongeBob. So yeah, he did. Yes, in... and also he was adorable with his little Satan head on. He was like, "Oh, hello, I'm a little goat." He properly goes. I mean, he's he's a great actor anyway. He was a great actor, but he properly goes for it in this. He's absolutely adorable in this. There's a scene where. It looks like somebody has foiled what's going on with the cult and he's kind of like leading a load of cultists. This is when he's not in goatee devil man mode. Um, and he looks, he's got an angry look on his face, like sort of, I don't know, a dad who's been summoned to a school because their kid's been smoking. <laughs> and he does the authentic pissed off face because if you were a devil man and people were trying to ruin your devil-like hijinks, you would like look like that, wouldn't you? He looked more pissed off when he was in man mode, presumably because the horns are hidden somewhere and that's probably giving him a bit of a migraine. <laughs> as well as people trying to spoil his satanic fun. He just feels more comfortable when he's okay, able to yeah. come out as a goat. Yeah, exactly. What I want to know is, um, Ida Lupino, you know, my best mate's grandma, um, <laughs> is she actually in the whole film or did she just do the first scene and then it's someone else in an Ida Lupino mask without any eyes? What do you reckon? Maybe it was her, but she only did like one day. So they they were kind of like, okay, can you say this? Now, can you say this without any eyes? Don't worry, we're not going to actually take your eyes out and use some spooky makeup. <laughs> say this without any eyes. <laughs> really, that really stretched your acting skills, wouldn't it? <laughs> I love the spooky makeup a lot. The melting is excellent. It is a lot of melting. It goes on for too long because they've basically just become kids who have discovered what bicarbonate of soda does. Yeah. And they're yeah. just like, oh, sh- Science! Ah! Robin, your colleague must have moments like this where he just goes, I found science! And he just sends you videos and you're like, yeah, it's just just soda. Um... See, unfortunately, the thing that he more often does is, I found the soul of another young person and thus I shall always remain like this. So he still loves bicarbonate of soda as well. 
But yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of me nodding my head during these films going, yep. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, another tour where the souls are stolen town to town. Oh, you're the it's new the perfect like, crime. Polanski, but like not in a sexy way. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Corrupting young people's souls, but not in a violent yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible. Anyway, continue. Why was the stair fight one of the weirdest fights I've ever seen? I was watching it and I honestly thought, are these men about to fuck? Because he gets to the bottom step and he just gets on his lap and just sits on him. And I, it's just the way they fell down the stairs and pretty much were hugging each other more than anything. It's a wrestling move. Yeah, I was hoping for that. Yeah, it's it's, it's known as the vent doll. <laughs> was it not inspired by that Ken Russell movie with the nudie wrestling? Is it Women in Love? It's the one with yeah. Oliver Reed and Alan yeah. Bates where they're, they're wrestling in front of a fire, but it's they, they kind of bring out the the subtext quite a lot so it does look like they've just been fucking each other and at the end Oliver Reed is all sweaty and he goes was that enough for you and it was quite a controversial scene at the time the worst one is that the sequel where are women in love now in which those parts were played by Mike Reed and Simon Bates and it's not a pleasant wrestling scene at all no no I'd imagine it really wouldn't be Uh, which Mike Reed are you talking about I was going to say which Mike Reed do you mean um Dead Cockney comedian Mike Reed or the um, the racist Calypso Mike Reed. Which would be the more unpleasant satanic vision in your head? It was whichever one that was. I think, yeah, the UKIP Calypso. That's enough of that. Now it's time to summon up the six evil entities that we call scary noises. Oh, shit. All right, so get your uh, buzzer things ready. Um, I'm about to start. Whoa, what was that? What was that? Was that you, Luke? Was that Luke? I'm about to start. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, it's sake. a little baby Yoda. You basic fucking bitch. <laughs> Let's give it a rest. The way this works is there are six pairs of audio clips from films to identify music from one, dialogue from another. One half of each will be from a satanic movie. The other half will not be. Identify either half for one point, both halves for three points. Robin, you are on a team with Bryony and Luke's on a team with Emily. Here's your first pair of scary noises. It's not just a matter of being in the right spot, it's being there on time. We were on time. We were early. He said 10.30. We always have to get it so close. For God's sake, can they kill us once to stay with the group? We always have to do everything differently than everybody else. God, we shouldn't have spent so much time with that goddamn eel. Uh, uh, no that goddamn eel. saying we shouldn't have spent oh, so much time with that goddamn eel? Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Can I guess that the music is uh, Ring of Darkness? You are correct. Did you get the dialogue? Did not get the dialogue, no. I think it's uh, some kind of um, Sharknado stupid film. Is it definitely an American film? She's all like, oh no, it's Oh, I thought it sounded 70s, you see. So I was, I, no. I thought it would be some, like Piranha or something like that. No, it's open water. Which is very oh. close. Right, number two. Oh, what's your buzzer, by the way, Robin? Um, I'm using the jaw of this skull. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Would you mind spelling that for me? D. U. Oh, is that Brian? No, I didn't do anything. No, Luke. Oh, Luke. Luke, that wasn't your baby Yoda noise. No, sorry, I changed it to a different... Oh, make mine deeper, hang on. Uh, I know it's the little girl drawing the bat, but why have I completely forgot what film it is now? The Met... Met... Hips. 
Mephisto Waltz. Mephisto Waltz. And did you get the music? No. All right. So, Brian and Robin, can you get the music? Would you mind spelling that for me? D U N C A N E L Y. Sounds to me like kind of Fulci music. It sounds Italian music. It's... Yeah, I mean, uh, something you're not aware of is uh, me and my partner mostly have sexist music. So I, <laughs> I hear it and I go, yeah. I don't recall what it is, but I go, yeah. Um... See, what worries me is now that I've I just heard in the background there the sound of um, parcel tape. So I'm presuming that that's another box that's just been brought in there. Um... Oh God. <laughs> My partner, who's only just had the last uh, packet of Monster Munch removed from him or her, it's uh, very much a, a non-binary box. I'm a very um, modern, modern woman. Yeah. Because um, I can't fucking remember the names of most of these Italian The most of just like, I've done a shit in the water with my mum. It's not, I've done a shit in the water with my mum. What are you talking about, woman? What film's that? <laughs> Oh, zombie flesh eaters. Oh, so close. It's Nightmare City. Oh, I knew oh, see, I was, I knew it was one of the... Yeah, we feel like all. fools now. Number three. If he was some unknown sort of jerk, they wouldn't have pinched him. But he's George Whitman. They're playing it up. It's a Roman holiday for every paper hat editor in New York. Why, that was purple. If he wasn't social register, if he was somebody like me, you'd be trying to hang him. I wouldn't be trying to do that, but I would hang him. Thing, yes, Brian A. No, I heard cats, and I was like, ha-ha, not over a thousand cats, but it's not. I was going to guess something like, I married a witch. It's not, I married a witch. Was that your guess for the music or the dialogue? Dialogue. Right, okay, music. Uh, did you get that? No, nothing there. Okay. Luke and Emily, can you get the music and the dialogue? If he was some unknown sort of jerker, they wouldn't have pinched him. But he's George Whitman, and they're playing it up. It's a Roman holiday for every paperhead editor in New York. Why that much purple? If he wasn't social register, if he was somebody like me, he'd be trying to hang him. I wouldn't be trying to do that, but I would hang him. Another thing, all this got about that body disappearing. Eight bodies have been stolen in New York in the last 18 months. Now, doesn't it seem more reasonable to hook this up from that angle? And run a perfectly good story? Don't be silly. Is the music Rosemary's Baby? I know there's a bit where it goes a bit no, jazzy. No, it's not. Fuck. Okay. Um, you did not get in the dialogue either. It was uh, The dialogue was Mystery of the Wax Museum, and the music was The Sentinel... Oh. And as, as was the cat. The cat was from the Sentinel. Oh, of course, yeah. Hmm. Uh, right, number four. Did you know it was Bugenhagen who gave your brother the daggers to kill Damien? What the hell are you talking about? Seven years ago, Bugenhagen wrote you a letter. I never got a letter. It's never sent. Robin. Right, well, that is definitely William Holden in uh, Damien Omen 2. It is. Well done. And music. So usually what happens is I sing the music. Do, do. So something by Leo Sayer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I, I came in there too quickly. I should listen to more of the music. I've been a fool. Luke and Emily, can you get the music? Did you know it was Bugenhagen who gave your brother the daggers to kill Damien? What the hell are you talking about? Seven years ago, Bugenhagen wrote you a letter. I never got a letter. It's never sent. It's still in the box. Richard, you know that I'm a rational man. 
But what I have to say to you isn't rational. Guggenhagen claims that Damien is the devil's son. Anything? Nah. No, it was from Martin. Oh, of Martin. course. Oh, that's terrible not to get that. Um, yeah. Okay, number five. Well, listen, it isn't funny. We were on the verge of a genuine tragedy here. <laughs> Feed my pants. I peed my pants. Listen, my nose is bleeding. What's for my body? Listen, Alan, you didn't say there'd be a madman with an axe. Is the dialogue Cynthia? No, it's not. No, it just sounded like him just repeating, I peed my pants, just sounded like something that was from Cynthia. I peed my pants! I peed my pants! And the music, did you get the music? Race with the devil. It was! (laughs) Uh, Robin and Bryony, can you get the dialogue? I'm sure I've seen it, but I can't get it. It was children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh. The scores with one to go are 3 1 to Luke and Emily. So here's the last pair of scary noises. God, with his lack of knowledge, does not understand this truth and opposes it with false thoughts and prayers. God, silence! Satan, 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 our Lord and Master, I acknowledge... Yes, Robin. Oh, no, it's not a horror film, though. Because that, that row, row, row the boat, I was thinking of Dirty Harry, which it's not Dirty Harry. Oh, it's not Harry, Dirty Harry, no. But that, there is that bit where they're all singing row, row, row the boat. And the dialogue. So, obviously, the singing was the music. So, the devil a daughter? It's not, no. Uh, Luke and Emily, can you get music and dialogue? God, with his lack of knowledge, does not understand this truth. And opposes it with false thoughts and prayers. God, silence! Satan, 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 our Lord and Master. I acknowledge thee as my God and Prince. I promise to serve and obey thee as long as I shall live. Is the dialogue Alucarda? It is. Hey. And the music? I can't even think. Because there's been too many horror trailers that have kids singing over them. And Wrong Turn did that. The reboot. So that's all I can think of. Um, it was it was Troll Two. So that is a four-one to Luke and Emily. Well done. Well, I'm so sorry, I've dragged you down the lead weight. Fine, Robin. And that pretty much brings us to the end of episode fifty. Robin, thanks so much for joining us on this momentous occasion. Hope you've had fun. Yeah. You've always got a lot going on. Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll just plug the new thing I'm doing, Uncanny Hour, where uh, making audio documentaries about various different kind of horror films and things like that. Done, Just done one about The Thing uh, with uh, Stuart Lee and Alan Moore mm-hmm. and uh, Sarah Morgan and Reese Shearsmith and various others. And then we're just doing that. We're doing part two of that with In the Mouth of Madness and uh, Prince of Darkness uh, with roughly the same people, plus Samir Ahmed. And then we're also doing one about Exorcist 3. And one about Derek Jarman's Jubilee as well with Richard O'Brien. So they're all at CosmicShambles.com. Cool. Wicked. That's Sounds cool. amazing. And of course, um, not forgetting Celebrity Mastermind on Saturday the 6th of March on BBC One. Technically, it may well be there. And in fact, after that, I've decided because I spent so long revising about the young ones, I'm going to do an online quiz about the young ones and Rick Mail. So so Saturday the 6th of March, I reckon probably about 8 o'clock or something like that, Josie Long and me are going to do uh, a quiz just about the, the young ones because we love those things so much. Amazing. Awesome. Cool. Right. Next month, we'll be joined by another 
another special guest, and it's Dan Martin, the effects genius behind everything from Colour Out of Space to the Human Centipede 2. Uh, we'll be talking about Cat 3 Horror, so that's basically the hard stuff from 1990s Hong Kong. Not uh, about cats. Sorry? Not about There's, cats. Yeah, about no cats. cats. No. disappointing. No Our cats. features will be The Untold Story and Horrible High Heels, so it's all going to be good, nasty fun. Uh, so I suggest you go and say 10 million Hail Marys to cleanse your ears now. But thanks for listening anyway! <laughs>